We wear the mask that grins and lies. It shades our cheeks and hides our eyes. This debt we pay to human guile. With torn and bleeding heart, we smile and mouth with myriad subtleties. Why should the world be overwise in counting all our tears and sighs? Nay, let them only see us while we wear the mask. We smile, but oh my God, our tears to thee from tortured souls arise. And we sing, hey, baby, we sing, hey, but oh, the clay is vile beneath our feet and long the mile. But let the world think otherwise. We wear the mask. They laugh to shield their crying. They shuffled through their dreams. They step and fetched a country and wrote the blues in screams. I understand their meaning. It could and did derive from living on the ledge of death. They kept my race alive by wearing the mask. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of COVID in Africa, a podcast looking at the continental response to COVID-19 where we pursue the systemic and underreported issues underlying the coronavirus crisis and how it's changing people's behaviors and attitudes on the continent. In this episode, we turn our focus on African artists and how they are coping with COVID-19 restrictions in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, Dakar, Senegal, and Johannesburg, South Africa. I'm your host, J.D. Ramalaba. Before lockdown, our producer in Kenya, Carl Odera, sat down with Tanzanian musician and activist Ritali Mayembe, who was in Nairobi for a live show. I'm not a soldier, I'm not a rebel, I'm just a fighter. Not a soldier, not a rebel, just a fighter. Anywhere I go. I know those politicians, they are going, they are doing a lot of bad rituals and they do so many things, but they cannot stop me in that, uh, in that kind of uh, thing. I know, I believe. But what about your prayer to the ancestors? Is this something you do because you believe that? Yeah, uh, I believe, I, I, I believe, you know, it's like, uh, I, first of all, I believe in, uh, I believe in God. But uh, I don't believe like uh, we all share one God, you see, because I cannot share God with my enemy. That is what uh, what I believe. In the interview, they spoke about Vitali's numerous run-ins with the police for his criticism of corrupt government officials. Vitali was initially a fine artist, but he turned to music when he observed that there was no freedom of expression in his country. 
He used his shows and music concerts to speak truth to power and provide a platform for Tanzanian citizens to express themselves. Uh, so I try, uh, so I use my time, I use my money. Some people are supporting me to reach people and give them the message about their rights and also to disturb the leaders, to give them, to give their people their rights, like uh, rights to education and not to force them to get into cor corruption because there are some places that you don't, you cannot do anything without to doing uh, corruption. You have to bribe to get education, bribe getting food, bribe everything. So I go there and I play my music and uh, it's not safe also because uh, when you go to a place and trying to give people awareness, they're trying to take you away from, uh, from their people or something like that. The good thing also, I get protection, protection from people. People, they protect me, people, they tell me. Sometimes you get even a call from the police that we are looking for you because you did this and this and so find a way to help yourself. For this week's episode, I decided to check in on him to find out how he was coping under COVID. His answer took me by surprise. I hope it's not the coronavirus, is it? It is. It is? Yeah, it is. You, when did you get tested for it? The day after, the day before yesterday. Oh my God, I am so sorry to hear this. Um, you know, we wanted to do a follow-up on the interview that you did with um, Carlo Dera earlier. Um, just to uh, find out how life has been now that there's COVID-19 happening. So I didn't expect that, you know, you would also have it. It's uh, the day before yesterday that I started to feel like uh, strange. And then uh, that my friends took me to hospital and I went there and, and I, I had the challenge in breathing. And then we check. Then uh, they found it, then they tell me, like, uh, they can uh, take me to the quarantine, but uh, the special place that uh, prepared by the government is not very much safe. So they were asking me if I can, uh, I can have a place that uh, I can follow the treatment and everything. And then I, I say, yes, I have it. So... They did it, but they did it like a secretary because I have to be mentioned in the district hospital and have make those for. So they didn't take me there, and they give me a chance to isolate myself and follow up the instruction. Although Vitali Mayembe says he was very careful to keep himself safe, especially as a musician who was out there creating awareness about the coronavirus, he still caught it. He doesn't know who he got it from, and his band members and family have not been tested either. Right now, he's alone in a two-bedroom house. His friends will be bringing him food for the nine days he has to spend in isolation. Still, he says, he's relieved. But uh, after checking, the result to me was not uh, 
it was like a relief to me because now I say okay now I can I can know what I, what I treat now mm. because uh, since the morning after I come from the practice I was not feeling well you know. in the evening then I was uh, like breath but uh, I was like pumping a lot to have a breath Okay. I mean, then, you have you you using a a, um, a pump to breathe? No, 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 myself. But I was using much much more power to breathe. Okay. It was not relaxed. So that's where my friend said, "No, we have to go to hospital because this is strange." But uh, what I'm not uh, I'm not uh, supporting uh, my leaders is to let people relax <coughs> and act like uh, we don't have this problem. Because uh, the thing that uh, we don't report the problems, that is it, but the problem is existing. And uh, myself, I know, and I, I live in a normal life so that I meet a lot of people. Earlier this week, Tanzanian President John Mugufuli declared the country free of coronavirus thanks to the prayers of his citizens, according to reports by the British Broadcasting Corporation, the BBC. The week before that, he cast doubt on the existence of the coronavirus by conducting COVID tests on random objects and animals, including a goat and a pawpaw, whose results, he said, were inconclusive. Mayembe again. Well, the, the thing is, like, people who does not believe that there is a corona, they keep taking and spread, you know. So that is, is it because uh, there, there are some people who assure them that corona is over. Corona does not exist. So this is the problem. People now are back in their business. They mix each other. They go to the clubs. They enjoy. They do everything. They party. And then uh, it's the duty or responsible responsibility to to the leaders to tell people like uh, this problem is still existing and we should find uh, a good way to to treat it because. Uh, Myself, I found it that I have it. According to the World Health Organization figures as of the 9th of June 2020, the United Republic of Tanzania had 509 confirmed cases of the coronavirus, zero new cases and 21 total deaths. Tanzania last reported to the World Health Organization 32 days ago. It's been a month. And this could mean there are more cases like Vitali Mayembe. The South African Department of Sports, Arts and Culture has been widely criticized for its failure to provide enough support for close to a million workers in the creative sector. As gigs were being cancelled, the department announced that there will be a 150 million rand relief fund allocated to the creative sector. But many have not received any support yet. 
When the department made the call for applications, it gave artists only nine days in which to apply. Of the 5,000 applications received by the closing date in April, 488 were approved for relief funds. Many artists said the application process did not consider how long it'll take for artists to obtain the supporting documents required to submit the applications in time. I went through the list of artists who benefited from the scheme to see if I could find someone I knew. Then I saw Tony Morkel's name, a freelance theater practitioner and activist. She taught us how to make silkscreen t-shirts in protest against the xenophobic attacks against African foreign migrants in Johannesburg and other parts of South Africa in 2008. She did most of the work while I watched. Tony told me that the selection process seemed to be haphazard, random. It was very strange. A friend of mine sent me an email saying, hey, have you seen this? And I think it was the Friday, the Thursday or Friday before the Monday deadline, mm-hmm. which was, I think, the 6th of April. I can't remember the date. So I immediately sent forwarded that email to colleagues and to my boss at the time, which was Sylvain Strike from Fortune Cookie Theatre. And so she immediately wrote to the people who contracted us, which was Clan Karua. They immediately sent us our signed signed contract. I luckily had tax clearance and all of that stuff. I managed to get my stuff in by the Monday evening and so did Sylvain and so did Henrietta who was one of the actors on the job. It's very odd and it's it was just a matter of luck and where I was and who I knew. I know that I had the same documentation as two of my other colleagues. Mm-hmm. And we all got our stuff in on time. So there's, there's no reason for theirs not to have been met with the same. They have, we all met the same criteria and got our stuff in on time. Just does not make sense. She listed some of the documents required to apply and commented on how it would be extremely difficult for artists without the resources to have reliable access to the Internet a printer, scanner, tech certificates, especially under lockdown, to make submissions in time. Stuff's not easy to get, especially during lockdown. And, and especially if you're not online and you don't have data. And it was such a cruel and evil process. I mean, I'm using big words, but unless you had all of that privilege of a computer, a printer, being able to print out stuff and sign it and scan it back in and contact the people who you needed to get all the documentation from Mm. within a couple of days. As a payout, Tony received about 13,000 rands, which would have been her salary for a planned show at the Klein Karoo National Arts Festival. Some of the 488 artists who received the relief funds from the Department of Sports, Arts and Culture were paid as little as 1,200, while others received the maximum amount of 20,000 rands. If everyone on the list had been given a maximum payout of 20,000 rand, the department would have paid out just over 9 million of the 150 million allocated to artists, which begs the question, where is the rest of the money? Tony again. Even now, even though I'm not earning, I'm still paying tax every day. Every item I purchase, I'm giving 15% of VAT to the government to 
process our money. Efforts to contact the spokesperson for the Department of Sports, Arts and Culture, Zimasa Velapi, on WhatsApp, were met with two blue ticks, followed by silence. Back in Senegal, I spoke to Ali Beta, a musician and multimedia cultural activist based in Wakam, Dakar. He tells me that Senegalese creatives have not received a cent from the government either. The Senegalese government announced a 6 billion CFA franc fund to support workers in the creative sector, but only half of the 6 billion has been allocated for artists. So far, they've only filled in government forms to confirm they are artists in need. In short, they have received nothing. Of course not. Of course not. You know, they, they were saying, okay, we have to evaluate how much the artistic or the cultural area is losing. It was like six milliards. Six milliards is like, yeah. Okay, and then last week, uh, the government was saying, okay, now we have to re- redistribute funds funding for every area and they decided for the culture that they will give three three million three million but still we are still waiting we don't know how it's going but to be honest we received some uh, kind of paper to fill to be ju- just mm-hmm. to say who are you what are you doing what kind of what are you doing mm-hmm. and we just did it so we're waiting so what mm-hmm. is what, what is interesting is like on six million he just gave the half and compared to the other areas like uh, education, transport, how much he gave there, that's what is just alarming. I mean, like the smallest mm-hmm. part is given to the culture, but this is n- nothing new. But now the problem is going to be how are they going to redistribute it? Because the culture is not just music. Okay, when I think of all the other artists, contemporary artists, I mean, performers, dancers, I mean, yeah painters and all these people, how are they going to redistribute? This is the question. Even though many artists have moved their art practices online, Alibeta is critical of making art a virtual experience. No, me, I, you know, I, I was really a bit critical of all this move on the virtual, you know. I have a lot of friends mm-hmm. doing it, people are doing yeah, live, 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 talking, talking, playing, playing. I'm like, okay, but for me it's a bit dangerous too. It depends on which art and what are you doing, wh- what is your target. I mean, for me, it's not pertinent that, that, that all the, there are certain performance, artistic performance that are for presential. They're not, I mean, for me, it's not making sense to make it video, you know? So those who I know who are making live Facebook or Instagram, they did not have any incomes, but they're just making it just for promotion. And for me, there's something which is dangerous. It's like everyone wants to be seen fill a gap of something and then to be present 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 and sometimes it's not pertinent if you look at the global it's like yeah i'm a bit critical about this i'm like okay for some people it is for it depends on what you're doing and what you have to present to people and maybe the time was important also to not fill any gap but to take a step back and rethink of how we are what are we doing how are we want to, how do we want to do it what are the best way on one side, it's good because the digital people have to get conscious of the potentiality and the possibilities of the digital. But on another mm-hmm. side, it can be too much of, yeah, just trying to promote yourself or fill a gap and not really thinking 
uh, I think that the time is calling for everyone to step back and devrait sur des thèmes controversés être capable d'accéder à la vérité par sa propre investigation intellectuelle se maintenir à cette vérité jusqu'à ce que l'humanité comprenne que l'Afrique n'est plus frustrée que l'Afrique n'est plus frustrée Hello I am Charlotte I am Yona Kigazo a psychologist by profession and a spoken word artist when I'm bored. <laughs> As a spoken word artist, I try to find a way in which I can use my knowledge of psychology to help the art and creative community. Charlotte Kigezo has been running art therapy workshops for artists in Uganda and Kenya. Although some people might think art therapy for artists is a cliche, she says artists need therapy the most especially under COVID. The most creative people are still the most mentally disturbed people because it reaches a point where they outlive what is keeping them alive, and that is the art. So I have been working with artists, especially during this time of COVID-19. We've been working on a few things around how we can use online spaces to improve on art, and allow an artist to improve on their mental health because whether we like it or not the financial stability of an artist plays a very huge role in their mental stability lockdown found her in Uganda working at platform africa at the rhino refugee camp where she is at the moment so i think the greatest impact of covid-19 on artists has been panic and in relation to that anxiety which has put a lot of mental stress on artists because you can imagine you have to think about how to maintain your art and then you have to think about how to survive and all those are connected to human beings and owing to the fact that it's it's already a, a challenge some of us are already afraid of am i going to contract the disease or not and then now you have to think about how do i make money and yet i have to meet the people that i might contract the disease from so it is it has mostly brought a wave of panic artists need um they use their brain they use almost 80% of their brain to come up with their art so if the brain is not in order a lot more doesn't fall into place for tony it'll be a long time before she goes back on stage because covid restrictions are making live performance not only more complicated but also expensive um and it's all very well doing fun improv stuff we we can't charge for it because we can't guarantee the quality you can only ask for donations Tandazani Lakama, assistant curator at the largest museum in Africa and the world's largest museum of contemporary art from Africa and its diaspora, the Zeitz Museum of Contemporary African Arts in Cape Town, says African artists can learn from Zimbabwean artists who've been forced to produce art under different states of emergency using whatever materials they could find. She spoke to author and activist Kedi Eve Gwopman. I can say that you know in the Zimbabwean art ecosystem there's a lot of resilience because I think Zimbabwe as a nation has 
survived um, different forms of political crisis, different forms of economic crisis. Um, and yes, we've seen art institutions or art organizations emerge and disappear, but we've seen such a strong tenacity, such a strong resilience amongst the creative community. And they've used crisis moments to come up with the best things. I'm thinking about uh, people like Masimba Wati, um, the late Munyaradzi Masarire and Gareth Nyandoro, they were in, they always talk about how when they were in school, it was during the time of, in art school, during the type of hyperinflation. And so they literally could not find paint and they literally could not find many, many art supplies. So, and their teacher, Chiko Chazunguza, basically said to them, listen, if you can't find yellow paint, Find something that is yellow and stick it onto a surface. But if you don't do that, you're going to fail. And what came out of that tenacity is like some of the most incredible work. So you'll find that Gareth uses a lot of, or in his earlier work, he used a lot of cardboard. Uh, Masimba's work has always had a lot of like wood and found objects, his early work anyway. Um, now it's a lot more performative. Same thing with um, Munyama Zare. I remember one of his first artworks was like an, like an old door and an old windowsill. He also advised artists who have access to the internet to use this time to improve their presence online by creating online portfolios, websites and social media pages dedicated to their work. Alibeta says COVID-19 has exposed some of Africa's biggest weaknesses which do not require symbolic gestures or eloquent speeches. It's easy to say, yes, we Africa, we have our own, da, da, da. this is one thing, and we have it, I'm convinced. But on the other side, it, we have to be enough rigorous to be able to say, okay, this is producing this, this is the way to do it, and then we can propose it to the world. And for me, it goes with it. It's not just a political posture to say, yes, Africa, we have, we can do it. But this political posture has to go with the real engagement and real work hard on our on our own uh, our own I mean way of healings of, on on everything, and for me that's also what some a lot of African people are not realizing. They're still in the yes in the dream of okay yes very excited yes we can do it of course we can do it. This is no more mm. the question. The question is now how are we going to do it? For Mayembe, who spent the bulk of his career speaking truth to power at great personal cost to himself, it's time for people to take responsibility for their lives and stop believing everything politicians say. We have leaders in our society, and those leaders, what they are doing there first, they have to save the politics. So we should be careful. We have to listen to them. But also, we have to go to the reality. Because when they announce something, they are making sure that they don't destroy their positions. If anything happens in a society, what they do is like, they use it as a political profit. Like, they do something, but half is... Politics half is like that because they, they they still want to be leaders. So what people they should do is like they have to use their common sense.
And that's all we have time for on COVID in Africa this week, a podcast brought to you by Sound Africa. As always, we welcome your feedback on all our episodes, so please get in touch with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our newsletter by going to our website at www.soundafrica.org. We'd love to hear from you. Before we go, we'd like to affirm that Sound Africa stands firmly in solidarity with the global Black Lives Matter movement, which has seen demonstrations taking place in 50 American states and 18 countries around the world following George Floyd's murder. So let's take a moment. Been traveling these wide roads for so long My heart's been far from you Ten thousand miles gone Oh, I want to come near and give Every part of me But there's blood on my hands And my lips are unclean in my darkness, I remember Mama's words reoccur to me. Surrender to the good thought and then wipe your slate clean. Take me to your river. Reporting in this episode was done by Kelly Eve Guapman in Cape Town, South Africa, and Carl Odera in Nairobi, Kenya. Story editing was done by Brittany Kesselman. Sound editing was done by Rasmus Bits. Music is Banle by Ali Beta, Nchiyangu Kinu by Vitali Mayembe, and River by Leon Bridges. I'm JD Ramalapa. Merci beaucoup. Jarajef. Muito obrigado. Shukran Tazilan. Asante sana. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and sound. But there's blood on my hands And my lips are unclean Take me to your river Oh